Very cool. So today we are ending our series on Jira. We've been talking about the word Jira this entire month. That God is Jehovah Jira. We've been going di- different names of God throughout this year. He is God. And so we're ending Jira today. It's coming. So imagine like season, season two, uh, episode four. Okay. That's where we're at right now. Does that make sense? Everybody else tracking with me? Alright, so today we're talking about Jireh. Jehovah, which means he is the one and only. He is the God above all gods. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the God that you always put a big G, a capital G next to. He's never a small G God. He's Jehovah. He stands alone. He's Jehovah, and then Jireh means that he is the great provider. He will provide. This is a name of God. It's an attribute of God. So when you say Jehovah Jireh, you're actually calling on God as the great provider. So if there's something in your life that you need this morning, you can call on Jehovah Jireh and know that he's the great provider and he will give his kids good things. He is Jehovah Jireh. So what do you need? What do you need today? He came in the door needing some peace, some more mercy for people. Maybe some uh, perspective. Anybody need perspective today? Direction. What's next? My wife and I are in kind of a, a weird season of life. You know, our kids moved out. We got this house and we're like, got two dogs. Like, what do we do now? What, what, what do we, does anyone know what we're supposed to be doing right now? Because <laughs> I'm lost. What's next? You know what? What are we supposed to do with, with our time? God, what, what's the season you have me in? Maybe you need some financial help. Gotten into a, a place of life that's really tough and don't know how it's going to recover. What do we need from God? Maybe you need some peace for a, a family situation or your kids. Maybe you need some encouragement. Uh, you're doing a great job as a parent. How many times do you hear that, parents? <laughs> you're doing an awesome job. <laughs> Not very often, right? What do you need? He's Jehovah Jireh, so we can come to him and he can take our requests. You're approved to, to ask God for things. We're approved as his kids that we can actually come to him and say, God, I need this right now. We're not alone in this life and trying to like figure things out on our own. Like, God, I need direction. I need to know what's next. Like, where are you leading me? I need faith. So what do you need today? And then how bad do you want it? You know, if we need something, how bad do we want it? Because with prayer, sometimes I know for me, I pray one thing or a couple things and I pray it a couple of weeks and I'm like, all right, well, that dried that out. You know, how bad do we want it? When uh, we started City Church um, seven years ago, I was meeting with some pastors, uh, which I do every single month, meet with like 20 to 25 pastors a month. 
And we have this meeting, and everybody sits down at the table, and everybody talks. Could you imagine this conversation? I mean, it's a lot. But it's it's so cool. But I have a couple of pastor friends that just said, you know, like when you started the church, like what were you, what did you start the church for? Like what was your expectation? Like what did you want God to do? And I said, I wanted revival. I, I wanted to see revival. I want to see the same vibrancy downtown Davenport that I see on Saturday night at Kilkenny's. Like, I wanted that type of revival where the Lord is moving so mightily that there's a line going out these doors. There's other churches opening up downtown because there's so many people that need the hope and the love of Jesus Christ. I wanted revival. That's what I signed up for. (laughs) And I've learned that revival looks like a lot of heartache and hard work. (laughs) You know? So what do you need from the Lord? and, And then how bad do you really want it? And lastly, how good are you at wrestling? Because there's going to be a season in your life that you will have to wrestle with God's decisions over your own, with his timing over your own, with his perspective and preparation of actually bringing you to, if it's like a relationship, well, maybe you've had some really bad relationships and God's kind of saving you from another bad relationship. So it feels like forever until the next relationship, but the next relationship could be the one. So how bad do you want it? And how, how good are you at wrestling? I have a couple of MMA friends, and they used to uh, invite me to their little get-togethers and stuff. They had a little club. And I didn't know what I was signing up for, and so I went. I've never wrestled in my life, and I'm not very good at all. And I didn't know that I was. they actually invited me just to beat me up for a while. <laughs> It's like, so you're going to come back next week? No. You just punched me in the face. They're putting me in headlocks. They're doing like all these things. I had no idea. You know, I didn't know what I was doing. I'm not very good at wrestling. But spiritually speaking, how good are you at wrestling? Really struggling with, man, I don't know how, why this happened the way it happened, God. Why has this taken so long? Why do I feel this way right now? Why are these emotions right at the front of everything in my life? How good are you at wrestling? We're going to find out how good Jacob is at wrestling. Not this Jacob. (laughs) Come on up. Can you play Thunder back there, sound booth? (laughs) Not that kind of wrestling, and not this Jacob, a different Jacob. All right. So we're going to look at the story of Jacob in Genesis and see how good Jacob is at wrestling in a really hard situation of life. See, Jacob started his journey where we picked it up with Stealing his brother Esau's blessing. This is like the oldest inheritance. Esau's the older brother. So Jacob swooped in and stole his older brother's inheritance. The big one, right? And then the Bible says that he scarcely ran away. He's kind of getting out of there. Well, while he ran away, his, his mom was like, I want you to go find a wife. 
and I need you to walk 500 miles from here. So Jacob would walk 500 miles to find his wife, Rachel. And he signed up to actually work for Laban so that he could have his wife, Rachel. And he signed up for seven years of his life. He devoted to finally getting Rachel. And then Laban says, right when they're about to get married, he says, it's actually better if you marry my older daughter, Leah, first, and then I'll give you Rachel, too. So you just need to sign up for another seven years. So he's got 14 years invested in this relationship. Can the ladies in the room say, amen. Like that's, that's the Jacob. And then we have Jacob getting ready to go to Esau, where he's going to meet his brother Esau, and he's made these gigantic mistakes. There's this distance of 14 years. There's a 500-mile distance. And here comes Jacob with his new wife and his new family, new wives and his new family, and he's heading back to meet with Esau, but Esau's on his way to meet Jacob with 400 men. So it's about to go down, right? So this is where we pick it up in the Bible, is Jacob has actually sent all these gifts to Esau to try to, you know, get him to soften his heart so that when Jacob finally sees him, they'll be reunited and everything will be okay. So Jacob sends all these gifts. He sends his family, and we're at the Jabbok River. This the Jabbok River actually means to wrestle with God. And so Jacob, everybody's over on the other side of the river, and Jacob finds himself alone with God. Have you ever been there? Trouble ahead, trouble behind, hard decisions, fear, anticipation, anxiety. Well, what is Esau going to do? Why is he bringing so many people with him? This is where we find Jacob. It's in Genesis 32. It says, so Jacob was left alone. I just want to stop there because a lot of times when we're left alone is when our thoughts start to wonder, isn't it? You don't have somebody to bounce them off of. Maybe you're an internal processor. Maybe you're an external processor. But there's a lot of times when you're left alone that your thoughts start to go. Fear starts to creep in. Anxiety starts to creep in about a situation that may be coming up. But Jacob's facing this huge situation in the morning. And so Jacob is left alone. I don't think Jacob gets alone very often. Having two wives... I'm going to dare to say, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> Having a bunch of kids, he probably, is, probably isn't alone very often. I had two kids and, you know, like, we weren't alone very often at all. It's always with them. So Jacob's left alone in this season. So on the other side of the river, his entire family's gone. He's left alone knowing that fear's ahead of him tomorrow morning. And the Bible says that a man wrestled with him till daybreak. So Jacob is left alone. He's on the other side of the Jabbok River, and then a man wrestles with him until daybreak. It's like the weirdest passage in the Bible. It's got to be one of them, right? Like, what are we talking about right now? 
the man wrestles with Jacob till daybreak. It's nighttime, it's dark, and Jacob's out there, and some guy comes up and just starts wrestling with him. A lot of scholars believe that Jacob probably thought it was Esau, his older brother, who snuck out, got in, got ahead of his camp, and actually went over to the other side of the river. And I'm going to wrestle this guy. This is my older brother, or my younger brother. He stole things from me. And then a lot of other people believe that he might have thought it was Laban, who the guy he just left. He'd been working there for 14 years. He leaves them. He runs away. Laban is upset with Jacob. So Jacob's wrestling this man until daybreak by himself on the other side of the river knowing that Esau is on the way. How many of you have wrestled before? How many of you have wrestled someone? Okay, cool. You're on my side. You're my team. It's, it's pretty intimate, isn't it? Like, it's, it's hands-on. You know? And so this man is wrestling Jacob all night long. As Jacob's mind wants to start to wonder, this man, which is an angel of the Lord, starts to wrestle him. Jacob normally would run in this season of life, but it's a new Jacob. Everybody's ahead of him. He could totally go out the back door and just go and make a new life for himself. But God sends somebody to wrestle with him right in the middle of that. No, you're not going anywhere. you got to stick here. You don't get to run away this time, Jacob. you got to stay around. And watch what I can do. And I just want to say, it's in these seasons of being alone and wrestling with the Lord that you will discover if you have faith in God. You'll you'll discover where your faith's at. You know where your where your faith is lined up with the Lord. Because it's in that wrestling time where you're not understanding what God is doing, and you go, "Okay, God, I'm going to choose to trust you anyways, even though I don't grasp." what you're doing, and especially when you don't agree with what he's doing. And so Jacob's alone wrestling with this angel. He can't go anywhere. He's stuck. And when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched and he wrestled as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Let you, let me go. My job is done here. (laughs) I've kept you around. Let me go. It's daybreak. The, The sun's starting to come up. You're, you're getting ready to go into what God has for you and facing Esau. So let me go. It's daybreak. And Jacob says, no, 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 no. You're not going anywhere unless you bless me. Which I find so, I'm, I'm curious why Jacob needs another blessing. You know, why, why does he need to be blessed one more time? He's already blessed because this is Isaac, his dad, who is actually Abraham's son, 
In Abraham, the Bible says that Abraham, you will outnumber the stars in the sky and there will be blessing on your family line. That's Abraham's blessing. And then you have Isaac, which is a descendant of Abraham. It's his son. It's his one and only, his firstborn son. So Jacob's already walking in this family heritage of blessing. And then he steals blessing from his brother Esau. And so we have a couple of blessings that Jacob's already had, but it's more, I need more, I need more. I need more blessing. There's a couple points in that. It's like sometimes when you feel really blessed by the Lord, you're like, okay, so I guess that's, I just stop here. And you, oh, I can't really ask God for anything else. Like I kind of just have everything that I could ever want. And God's like, no, like ask me, what's your heart? What's your heart's desire? So I want to do more. But the other part of Jacob is he never was able to really receive that blessing because he deceived people to actually get it. His life was a mess. And so like he really can't be blessed by the Lord, so I need the blessing of this person right in front of me right now. So he says, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. The man asked him, then what is your name? And Jacob, he, Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. God changes his name. This is what God is in the business of doing. As you read the Bible, you see all these name changes. And a name change comes when you're at the end of yourself. So Jacob's known as a deceiving, like, heel-grabbing person, like trying to get ahead in the Bible. And so God's like, you're at the end of yourself. You've gotten as far as you can get with that name. Now I'm going to actually hit you with the new name, which is Israel, which means you are God's people. You are the people of the Lord. And so when we come to the end of ourselves, when we come to the end of the wrestling, God refines us so much that it actually gives us a brand new life. Uh, look, I, look at what I've done. And now we surrender ourselves over to the Lord and go, man, I can't do anything else. I need you. I need your blessing. And God's like, cool. You're finally at the end of yourself. Now watch what I can do. You're going to be Israel. You're going to be the name of the Lord. You're going to be God's people. This is where we find Jacob is he finally receives this blessing. So Jacob says, well, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? And then he blessed them there. In the middle of the struggle, in the middle of coming to the end of himself, in the middle of being alone, in the middle of trouble ahead and trouble behind, in the middle of all of life's circumstances, in the middle of staying up all night and pondering the decisions that you made, in the middle of fear and anxiety is where God brings the breakthrough. That he actually breaks through in Jacob's life and gives him a brand new name and a brand new identity. You've came to the end of what you can do. Now watch what I can do. And Jacob wakes up the next morning and goes and meets his brother Esau with the 400 men coming and Esau runs to Jacob. The Bible says that Esau started running at Jacob. 
And Jacob stood there. He wasn't able to go anywhere. Why? Because his hip was hurt. He couldn't run anymore. He had to embrace what God had right in front of him. The fear of somebody running at you that you've made enemies with. And so Esau runs at him, embraces him, and gives him a kiss on the cheek, and they start to weep together. God brings breakthrough when we come to the end of ourself after we've been wrestling with the Lord on a situation or a circumstance, that there's breakthrough in that. But what do you need today? Are you ready for what God can do in it? I can identify with this picture so much. I mean, if you look at the angel's face, it doesn't look like the angel's really trying, does it? <laughs> like, I try so hard. You know, like, I want to see this, and I want to do it, and, and a lot of times I'm doing it on my own strength. And then you get to a point where you come to the end of yourself, and you're like, I can't do this anymore. And the thing that I see in this passage is the name Jacob means he was a heel grabber, which actually came into handy in this passage because he grabbed a hold and said, I'm not letting you leave. Like, that's what it's going to take for all of us. That we grab a hold of Jesus and go, I can't do this on my own. I'm not strong enough. I need you. You want freedom from addiction. Grab a hold of Jesus today. I can't do this on my own anymore, Jesus. I, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried. Jesus, just give it to me. I have a whole new, brand new life for you. Surrender it to me. If you're wrestling with a tough decision, there's a hard decision you need to make. Maybe you've asked all of your friends their ideas. <laughs> and God's like, I have something to say today. I know you're wrestling with that, and I got you. I have direction for you. I have perspective for you. Let me have it. Real quickly, just want to say that I don't know if you're aware of this, but there is a move of the Lord in revival that's sweeping across the nation right now. And it's happening with just young people showing up to uh, their church service and sticking around afterwards and just worshiping God. And like there's a breakthrough in Asbury and Kentucky at a university up there that these people just decide, you know, I'm going to just like stick around and just like start singing to God and we're like 14, 15 days into it, and it's just like exploding. The city's starting to come alive. There's other colleges that are catching wind of this, and they're taking what they're doing there, and it's actually happening there. And it's coming, and it's sweeping across our nation. And so, like, I started this message off with, like, I would love, I signed up for revival. I'd love to see that. And, and I truly believe because of our location and because of the Mississippi right here, 
that there's, this is uh, actually years ago that there was a calling on the Mississippi, this river right here, that there is going to be revival where the Mississippi touches. And the Quad Cities has, uh, um, the, the Lord has a special calling on the Quad Cities for revival. And so I just wanted to give some really clear things. I'm going to take off, like, I'm actually more of an apostle. Like, I love starting stuff and giving vision to things. And I'm going to put on a pastoral hat for a second and just give some real clarity of cleaning house in our church to just, like, really make this clear. And the first thing is this is, um, I got three minutes. You guys ready? Stick in there. You ready? Okay, so number one, uh, if our role and our goal is not to fish from a bucket, there's 430,000 Quad Cityans, and 8% of them go to church. We as a church are not looking for grabbing somebody that already has a home church and to bring them to our church because it's a little better. Like, that's never been our goal. That will never be our goal. Our goal is to live out our mission in Matthew 28, 19 to 20. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations and teach these new disciples. So these are new disciples. Our goal is to actually grab new people that are trying to find Jesus and the hope of Jesus Christ. And so what I want to say to that is the other part of that is is so if you're constantly invited to somebody else's church, tell them you have a home church. I feel like I'm the only pastor that's saying this right now, and I think that there's fear associated with it. And so our goal is to, I want to see Easter Sunday, we should all invite the people that are in our life that really need the hope of Jesus Christ. Every single one of us in this room, we know a couple of people that could totally use the hope of Jesus, and so let's invite them Easter. If they have a home church, Bless them to go to their home church. Number two is um, the unity of this church is is highly important. We've done a lot of work last year and this year to keep the unity of our church. And so if somebody has left City Church and has a lot of negative things to say with about it and the leadership here, I just want to invite you. You're not called to have a vibrant relationship with them. In fact, you can just go ahead and bless them from a distance. And what I mean by that is stick around a bunch of people that are, don't want to bring unity and uh, out of harmony and, and stuff and watch how it affects you because it will. We got to keep the unity of our church and the Lord can move in a church that's unified. Number three is this, is I feel like we're called to fast and pray. How many of you are excited about that? Go ahead. Yes. We got two, three, amen, four. So fasting looks like giving up a meal or an entire like week of food. How many of you are excited about that? <laughs> I feel like we're called to fast and pray. And so what I'm saying is supplement a meal. What God what, what, where you would normally eat, supplement that with a prayer. So whether it's breakfast, it's lunch, it's dinner, and let's do it for this week. And the prayer that I'd love for us to pray is this, is your kingdom 
Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So let's pray for God's kingdom, for everything that the Lord has in store for this city and for this church. Let's pray for his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. All of his will to be done. If my people will humble themselves and pray, I will heal their land. This is what his word says. And so I really believe that we're to fast and pray. To just trust God and and take that moment that we'd normally be eating and saying, you know what, God, your kingdom come and your will be done. There's revival that's sweeping across the United States and it's sweeping across and it's hitting other cities outside of this one city, Asbury, and in Kentucky, and it's keep, it keeps moving. I don't want to miss it because I want it. I want it. I want it. Everything in me signed up for revival. Like, I want it. I see so many hopeless people downtown every single Friday and Saturday night. Like, I want them to discover the love of Jesus Christ. Your family and your friends that, that are really broken right now, they need Jesus. And so, Let's fast and pray and say, God, we really want it. It's our desire to see your move. Would you do that with me? Amen. Let's pray. And I'm going to just go ahead and just release us. I've already went over our time, which reminds me, last thing. If you can... Give kids a high five. I would love for you to sign up for City Kids. <laughs> if you can, uh, there's no greater joy than a little five-year-old or six-year-old discovering that Jesus wants to be their forever friend. And so we need City Kids help right now. We, we desperately need it. Our kids service is actually growing. A lot of Sundays are, they're getting really overwhelmed and, um, we're talking like one week a month. Or two weeks a month. We're talking one or two weeks a month. I've seen so many of you that have actually came to life by serving in City Kids. And so uh, just consider it. The best way to do that is just to grab one of those cards and then put it in the uh, connection card that you'd like to help in City Kids. Let's pray.